This is the Barbecue Central Radio Show, which is recorded live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Radio Show is being brought to you by The Barbecue Guru, the original creators of automatic temperature control devices, now offering four different models for you to choose from. Rest easy knowing that The Barbecue Guru is controlling your temperature so you can get on with your life. Visit BBQGuru.com or call 800-288-GURU for more information. And by Fred's Music and Tasty Licks BBQ Supply, your online barbecue and grilling superstore. From cookers to grills, wood chips and chunks, and everything in between, also be sure to try the Tasty Licks barbecue brand of rubs and sauces. Check Fred out online at TastyLicksBBQ.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. Located in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio, Stephen DeFranco Jewelers is a family-owned and operated business looking to service the great folks of the barbecue and grilling world. Get free shipping and big discounts by mentioning my name and the term Barbecue Brother. Check out their inventory by visiting stephendefranco.com. And by Butcher Barbecue, with 30 years of experience in retail, wholesale, meat markets, food service, and customer service. Using that experience, everything they do and sell at Butcher's Barbecue comes from real-world knowledge. Check out their award-winning spices, sauces, marinades, and injections by visiting ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. And by iGrill. The iGrill is a Bluetooth-enabled cooking thermometer that allows you to monitor the temperature of your food and smoker or grill from up to 200 feet away. Using the free iGrill app for your iPhone, iPad, and Android devices, you can set preferred temperatures, and your smart device will alert you when it's ready. It's perfect for cooking steaks to perfection or low and slow smokers overnight. Head to iGrillInc.com to learn more. And by Barbecuer's Delight Wood Pellets, the barbecue wood pellet choice of competition cooks and backyard hacks just like me. The perfect blend of two-thirds oak and one-third flavor wood gives you that right BTU burn and flavor that you're looking to get all over your meat with smoky goodness. Visit BBQRSDelight.com. And by Arno Smokers, a custom pit builder using innovation and art in each of their cutting-edge offset and vault-style barbecue pits. Located in the heart of Texas near Fort Worth, Granberry has been the home to Arno Smokers since the beginning. Arno Smokers has continued to widen its range using visionary planning both on the design level and the quality of craftsmanship to bring their customers the finest custom pits on the market. Please get in contact with Billy, B-I-L-L-I-E underscore R-O smokers at yahoo.com or Tony at Tony underscore R-O smokers at yahoo.com or visit their main website, R, the letter N, the letter O, R-N-O smokers.com. And by Green Mountain Grills, discover something you're really going to love, cooking with pellets. Green Mountain Grills are widely available across the country. Top-of-the-line manufacturing, but not the highest in price. Visit GreenMountainGrills.com to get started on your pellet adventure today. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea.
All right, good evening, and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that broadcasts live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It deals with barbecue and grilling. Cleveland, recently proclamated as the barbecue capital of North Coast. I'm going way out of order like I would normally do. That's fine. Hey, glad you stopped by for the show this evening. If you want to jump in tonight, more than happy to have you. 877-448-0433 is the phone number in case you want to call. You can also email the show if you want. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Two ways to get in touch with me should you see fit. Everything else you want to find out about the show, main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here is what is happening in case you didn't get the show newsletter which I remind you diligently every so often that you can sign up for uh, about 150 spots left. You can sign up for it right on the main page of the website. Uh, I believe there's a little box off to the right-hand side that says newsletter. Take advantage of that. Uh, Every Tuesday, you will get, uh, right around 4 o'clock Eastern, you'll get the heads up on who the guests are going to be, what we're looking to cover. And then if you're a new person that's subscribed to it, you also get my very famous sought-after homemade barbecue sauce recipe, ladies and gentlemen. Just as a thank you for signing up. Coming up at around 9.14, Jesse Black from Thermoworks will be joining me. Always happy to talk to the gang over at Thermoworks. Of course, they make the thermometer of choice, not only for the competition world of barbecue and grilling, but for the backyard guys just like me as well, and ladies. Thermopen, maybe you have one, maybe you have ten. Thermopen, top notch. So we'll talk to Jesse Black from Thermoworks coming up in about 12 minutes from now. Then at 9.35, he's been on the show once before, very formidable competition cooking team, very successful restaurant line, very successful sauce line, and a buddy, a budding TV star. Some know him as the head shed head. I know him as Brad Orson. And that'll uh, kind of pack up the first hour. Then we'll move into the second hour. As I had mentioned last week, whoa. After probably what is years of chasing, landing for 1014 and 1035, a barbecue and grilling expert by every sense of the word, and cookbook author, and a guy who's been on TV a number of times, Adam Perry Lang, ladies and gentlemen. Jam-packed show, plus four giveaways this evening, if you can believe that. Don't know how we're actually going to fit all that in on time and get out at 11 o'clock before... Kevin Bevington decides to take me out to the woodshed and put two-by-four lumber to the side of my head for going home. No promises tonight, Kevin. We're going to stay. Uh, we're going to see how it goes. Hey, you're watching the show right now. Do me a favor, a solid, if you will. Get on your social medias. Get on your Facebooks, your Twitters, the LinkedIn's, the Tumblers for the nerds, Reddit, whatever it is. Make a ratification statement that you're watching the show right now or you're listening to the show couple of different ways and links to send out to people so they can jump into the fun and frivolity of the show. You can watch via OutdoorCookingChannel.com, right from your computer screen, right from your smartphone device as well. As a matter of fact, if you're watching Outdoor Cooking Channel on a smart device, do a screenshot, send it to me. I'll uh, send you the meathead magnet that goes on your grill or your refrigerator with proper meat temperatures as a guideline. Uh, you can also get the audio stream through my website, thebbqcentralshow.com. If you're using a phone and you just want to get the audio, you don't want to kill your data plan uh, via streaming video, I understand and respect that. Get the TuneIn Radio app. It's absolutely free, and you can get the audio of the show as it's happening live. And, of course, if you don't like to leave the confines of your family room, 
and you are big into the Internet Protocol television type deal, get a Roku device. Outdoor Cooking Channel is on Roku. And all you have to do is go to the uh, the uh, Roku App Store, download Outdoor Cooking Channel app, and then the very first option, if you're doing it right now, is uh, the live stream feature. Choose that. The next one to the right is this show. Uh, you know, it's street, live stream first, and then it goes by most popular show. Get it? Um, maybe not. Probably. You can watch the show live right from your television via Roku. Uh, Kevin working on a number of uh, cool potential outlets for the show as well, so we're always looking to grow. Uh, and there is a new tailgating show, Tailgate Boot Camp or something like that. Uh, that's a produced show. I'm the only live show on Outdoor Cooking Channel, folks. If I decided to leave for megawads of cash, it would just be produced show on Outdoor Cooking Channel, and you'd be SOL. But I'm here for you guys. Here for you guys. We're doing it live, and we're keeping it live. So uh, just a number of ways that you can consume the show. So get those links out to the appropriate people at the appropriate time, which is now. Do it now. All right, let me read you an email that I got from a big fan of the show. You see him here on the chat room every so often. This is coming from Patrick Paquette. You know him as the pitmaster of the Basic Patrick Barbecue Team. Greg, this coming weekend, my wife Wendy and I, a.k.a. the Basic Barbecue Team, will compete in the Sam's Club Region 5 final being held at Chesapeake, Virginia. That's a Commonwealth, by the way. We will be taking on top-level teams, such as Chick Swine and Bovine, ZBQ, and Cool Smoke. In parentheses, Tuffy Stone. Uh, Tuffy Stone. Like, I didn't know who that was. Never heard of it. Although we are well-prepared, like any smart competitor, we are always seeking out anything that will give us the slightest bit of an advantage. It is the quest to leave no stone unturned that leads me to write you this afternoon. Now we're getting into the meat of the subject. I believe in capitals. I believe in the legendary barbecue central show karma. I want that karma with me, us, with me, us, as we take on this very tough field. A few weeks ago, I sent you a similar email, and via email, you gave me the karma that earned us fourth overall at the local qualifier in Medford, New York. You and I both know that the real barbecue central show karma comes when it is given live during the show. It is said that you should always ask for what you want, so what I want and what I am asking for is the full strength of the Barbecue Central Show Karma. Give it live, on the air, during the show, and of course I am willing to do whatever is necessary to gain this most precious gift. Patrick, for you and Wendy, I bid you bags and bags of karma this coming weekend, my friend. A true fan of the show, a super fan of the show. Not super fan crazy like Don G, but super fan uh, Patrick. So, Patrick, you get the live karma as it is happening right now. And, you know, once we do that, you might as well just mail it in. you got a grand champion, probably 80% grand champion potential. Definitely, you know, like 95% reserve. 100% top three or better. How about that? So... Use it sparingly, use it wisely when it most counts, and you, sir, will be moving on to the finals in Bentonville, Arkansas, uh, towards the middle of October. Maybe that's towards the end. Whatever. I'm telling you right now, folks, a couple weeks ago, we're in the process. We're not moving yet, but we're potentially moving here in the next couple months. So 
What do you find when you're looking to move? Well, you've accumulated a large swath of shit over 12 years. Trying to get rid of some stuff. Look, some stuff I know, very little value. I'm not here to haggle with people at a garage sale, which is the definition. That might be redundant. Garage sale haggling. It's like one and the same, right? I also have a number of grills, so I decided to put out a Weber Smoky Mountain, two Weber Smoky Mountains, and a Weber Kettle Grill. The Smoky Mountains I had listed for $100. The Kettle I had for 50 bucks. Look, by any stretch of the imagination, this is a textbook definition of value. And, I'm here, and also in the paper I listed that this sale was unique because you were making me an offer. Can't annoy me you can't hurt my feelings you can't offend me i'm telling you to make me an offer because look what's the bottom line at garage sales you see a sticker for five you offer two i want to eliminate that step let's just start with the bargaining you tell me what you think it's worth and if i like it i'll take it and if not i'll counter but i don't want to take all this crap to the new house right the faces of people when i told them that the grill was 50 bucks and the smoker was a hundred dollars you might have thought I had just got done brutalizing their friends and family. Things they looked at. I was outraged. I couldn't believe it. I went in the house, printed off what it would cost new today from Amazon, showing them they were saving 200 bus, bucks plus shipping on the Smoky Mountains, $100 on the grill. You might as well thought I was asking for newborn children. And I'm not asking for that. Be wary. Just put it up on Craigslist. That way you can weed out who the true grilling people are and who they aren't. As I have found, the majority of people aren't, and they're cheap bastards. Jesse Black coming up out of the break from ThermoWorks. You know, I just, literally, I just had lunch with barbecue jeweler of the stars Stephen DeFranco at 1230 today. We were having high-level discussions on a number of different topics. One of them happened to be... Uh, his store and what he can offer you guys. Look, if you go into a mall and you're looking to buy a watch or a piece of jewelry or necklace, whatever the case may be, you go into the mall, you go into these big chain stores, you know, you got to remember two or three or ten different things. One, you're overpaying right off the bat because if it's a chain store, you're not only paying for the stuff that's in that store, but all of the other inventory and overhead that all of the other stores are carrying at that time. Got to pay for that, right? You're paying for it. Got to keep the lights on. We talked about overhead just a second ago. You might not have the most knowledgeable sales staff. You know, the high schooler that's coming to work part-time after classes are done for the day with a very bad suit and he doesn't know how to tie a tie. That guy, that fella. Why not push all of that off to the side and finally hit up the website Stephen DeFranco D-I-F-R-A-N-C-O StephenDeFranco.com and search for the stuff there once you find something you like give Steve a call directly he owns the store you're not talking to a manager or a district manager Steve owns the store it's his 440-943-2700 hey Steve I was looking at this watch I was looking at this ring I was looking at this necklace what can you give me as far as pointers advice he takes the time to drill down and see what the core needs are what the budget is, how you were looking to convey yourself with this piece of jewelry. He's asking all of the right questions in an open-ended fashion so you can tell him exactly what you need. He's not here to sell you on anything. He's just there 
along for the ride to offer expert analysis and advice as you see fit, and then you buy what you want. Now, with the watches, you get that extra year of warranty. Uh, all the gift wrapping is for free. The shipping's for free. The engraving's for free on most of the stuff anyway. Some of the stuff you can't get engraved, but always with the free ship. StephenDeFranco.com. That's StephenDeFranco.com. And 440-943-2700 was the phone number. Ask for Steve. Tell him I sent you. You listen to the Barbecue Central Show. And he will hook you up in seismic and gargantuan proportion. All right, Jesse Black coming from ThermoWorks outside of the break. But first, wait, first is a, yeah, okay. Jesse Black coming up right after. Stick around. Be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, we are back, 877-448-0433. You can also email the show if you want to, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. All right, my next guest is the head of public relations and social media over at ThermoWorks. Look, if you're not familiar with that name, you most certainly are familiar with the Thermopen, which many backyard cooks and professional teams use each and every day or weekend, depending on what you're doing. Let's go ahead and race over to the proverbial hotline. Welcome, first time to the show. Jesse Black from ThermoWorks. Jesse, how are you, buddy? Hey, how you doing? Doing absolutely fabulous. Jesse, appreciate you carving out a bit of time tonight to talk a little bit about ThermoWorks and the products that we have going on. You know, maybe before we get into that, uh, for the people that aren't exactly familiar with you, a little background about yourself professionally. Uh, about me or about ThermoWorks? Just a little bit about me? Yeah, just about you. <laughs> Okay, I've been with ThermoWorks for uh, for a few years now. Um, my background is primarily um, in restaurants. Um, I grew up my, uh, in San Antonio, Texas. My parents owned a steakhouse downtown, and uh, so I grew up washing dishes and, and working in the restaurant, and, and then uh, eventually moved on to to, uh, to bigger and better things. But for for about five years, I was the back of house culinary manager at um, Romano's Macaroni Grill. Um, where, where I really got my hands dirty in the kitchen. And um, while I was doing that, I was in school, um, got my degree in, in uh, public relations, and uh, came on at ThermalWorks, where I kind of put um, both hats on at the same time and, and uh, get to get to cook, get to use thermometers, and, and uh, do public relations at the same time. So it's kind of a match made in heaven. Jesse Black joining me here on the show. The website, by the way, if you want to check it out here while we're talking, ThermalWorks. Dot com. That's thermoworks.com. Jesse, Thermopen and the restaurant industry, or I'm sorry, Thermoworks and the restaurant industry have kind of been a hand-in-hand type deal, but was there any thought that once the Thermopen got into the hands of these barbecue guys that it was going to really become the rage that it has been over the last three, four years or so? You know, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that any of us predicted that the Thermopen would, would be doing what it is. Um, it, and again, it's one of those things. Just like you said, it, it got into the hands of uh, of all these barbecue guys, and and it's a professional tool. I mean, it's something that they can rely on, and something that gives them accurate temperature. So, 
But, but I mean, I, I, as far as whether or not we saw this coming, I, I don't think we did. Um, but we certainly are liking the results, and I think the people that use the product like the results as well. Um, but it's but it's led us uh, to a few other um, a few other innovations that that are specific. Well, that are that are um, not specifically designed for, but are definitely uh, we, we put together with barbecue community in mind. And I guess for the people that might have decided to jump over to the website real quick and check out some of these things, how do the units differ from, let's say, a ten or a twenty dollar instant read unit that you can buy at a, at a Target or someplace like that? Well, first, first is the technology. Most of the ten dollar units or you know the cheap twenty dollar units that you're going to find at the big box stores are going to be thermistors. Um, these are going to be a little bit more delicate. Um, they're not going to be as fast. They're not going to be as accurate in most cases um, the, as in the ones you buy off the shelf. But with the Thermapen, what you're getting is thermocouple technology, which is a different, um, a different kind of sensor at the tip of the probe. It's going to be faster. It's going to be more durable. In the case of the Thermapen, it's going to be very, very accurate. Um, and so when you're talking about barbecue and you're talking about people that are, that are packing these things in the back of trailers or that are using them outdoors or that have a thousand things going on and maybe dropping them or beating them up, um, they're definitely going to get you more mile or, you know, more bang for your bucks than, than uh, the cheaper units. Um, in my experience on the road, uh, at, the, at, the, uh, at the jack, um, um, at, the, the, uh, you know, at, the, at the various contests that we've had the opportunity to go to, most people when I see their, their cook site and see the thermal pens, they just look like they've been beat up and they're dirty and, and they're well used. And that's, what's great about them is they kind of take a licking and they, and they keep going. Is, um, is there like a, some special precautions or care that people need to take, especially for the folks that are finally pulling the trigger? And, you know, the saying that I always like to say in, in a lot of barbecue items is buy the best, only cry once. Versus having to spend every ten dollars, you know, every uh, two months or so because it's a piece of crap. But are there care instructions or advice that you would give to kind of extend the life of the thermopet? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think just keep it clean. Um, I know with mine, when I uh, when I use them, a lot of times I've got my my pick gloves on and I'm in and out, and so you know my thermopen just gets covered in in gunk, I just bring it inside and I wipe it clean and, and that, that'll extend the life because oftentimes what happens is you get um, some grime and grease into the hub and as you open and close it over time, that grease gets farther down in there um, and then if you get it wet at all, it'll keep going but again, over time, you get the rust in the hub and so that'll lead to problems. Um, just, you know, as, as a matter of fact, my neighbor is a competition barbecue guy um, here in Utah and that's, that's where we're located and, um, he just brought his thermopen in that he had, had uh, it was his first first thermopen, and we were able to fix it up for him, but it was so corroded and nasty on the inside that it, you know, if, if it wasn't for our tech team that can, that can clean it up, it would have been in the garbage. Um, but I would just say to, to, to wipe it clean, keep it, you know, keep it uh, safe in a drawer tucked away somewhere. That's what I do with mine. Anyway. But um, I'll tell you what, though, it, Back to your, your point about just, just cry once. I can't tell you how many times I've been screwing around with the brisket or something and make a bonehead move and end up ruining a $50 brisket and just 
kicking myself in the pants. And a lot of times people that don't have good thermometers will overcook or, or undercook in some cases and just ruin a, a costly cut of meat. And so when you look at the price of the thermopen over time, or, you know, if, if you if you end up burning something, it definitely pays for itself. Just I'm getting a couple questions here in the Insta chat room. Just wanted to see if you had the answer to it. Do you guys sure. uh, refurb thermopens if uh, if it needs to have that done? Uh, well, I, I can tell you with the one um, that I that I mentioned earlier, it was so corroded that what we actually had to do was put a new back, a new front on. Um, we did have to put a new hub on the inside. It had the same LCD screen and circuit board, but everything else was essentially new components. Um, usually, um, uh, there's there's a one year warranty, so any problems that happen um, that are defects with the product, we'll take care of it, replace it if need be. But if it's four or five years later and you're having those problems, you can send it in. And I think for a flat rate of 25 bucks is what we're charging, we can essentially put new components in and turn your unit into brand new. Wow. That's uh, yeah. that's uh, that's a huge value for twenty five bucks for real. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's there, there's. I think our turnaround time is you know, a few days to ship, and we try to get it out the door the same day, or if not the next day. Wow. So, I mean, as long as people are willing to part with their thermopen for seven days, then yeah, we can we can make it as good as new. Jesse Black joining us here on the show. He is the head of public relations and social media over at ThermoWorks. That's the company that makes ThermoPen that we all kind of know and love here in the barbecue and grilling community. Jesse, the other reason I wanted to have you on tonight, aside from learning a little bit about the company, is the fact that you do have some new products that are going to be rolled out or, or are already rolled out. I wanted to start with that Chef Alarm. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, the Chef Alarm just came out, um, I believe, two weeks ago. Maybe maybe it's been three weeks now. This is what we're really excited about. Uh, this was completely designed by ThermalWorks. All the all the effort that went into putting it together um, came right out of our office. Um, we're excited because we, we've kind of given the ThermaPen um, uh, a sidekick, if you will. If, if you've seen the Chef Alarm, it, it, it's designed with, you know, with, with thermopen-like styling in mind, uh, performance-wise, it's it's as fast when when you uh, when you put the uh, the optional meal probe that, that you can get with it. But this is something that's going to be great for the barbecue community because you know as, as I've gone around to different contests and things, you see a lot of um, oven thermometers stuck to the side of pits, a lot of units that are 25, 30 bucks, um, sometimes 40 bucks that. Um, the probes go out constantly, and people are throwing them away after a contest and getting all new ones. Um, but this is going to be a solution to an oven alarm that's going to essentially allow you to monitor the internal temperature of whatever meat you're cooking. You can set high and low alarms um, depending on your needs. It has a continuous min-max display, which which no other oven alarm thermometer has currently. Um, and we employ our new Pro Series uh, High Temp and Pro Series Ministry Needle Probe, which is unique to the Chef Alarm. Nobody else has it. And this is where the you're going to see the value of the Chef Alarm really kick in because you're not going to be replacing probes every single weekend, every contest. They're made to withstand higher temperatures. They're made um, so that you can close the pit door multiple times. You know, and with with common sense care, they're going to last you years. Um, but yeah, the, and the chef alarm comes in nine colors. The thermopens come in 14. So if you can find one to match your thermopen, they'll fit nicely together. 
Um, but that's that's a great unit. I really recommend that that uh, folks that are using you know less expensive, kind of those cheap O oven thermometers, really try the Chef one. It's it's my favorite. I've got two of them at home, and I use them all the time. And I guess just to reiterate, these are things that can be used in tandem with each other. You're not going to use one over the other. No, no, no. As a matter of fact, what what I do. Um, now, I, I catch a lot of flack from my barbecue friends because they don't recommend using thermometers on briskets or using it on pork. You know, they go by different things. But I, I you know, it's true to my ThermoWorks roots. I stick to temperature. So what I do with my chef alarm is I've got my high-temp probe that's monitoring the internal temperature of, of a brisket, for example. And then I'll spot check different areas with uh, a thermopen as I'm going you know, to make sure I get to those final temperatures. It's great for a turkey. We have Thanksgiving coming up. So if anybody's smoking a turkey, you can use that that uh, high temp probe to leave in the bird. But then when you want to spot check the thigh or the, you know, or, or, or deeper into the breast, you can use your thermopen to do that. And because it's so fast, you don't have to have the pit open for long periods of time while you're waiting for temperature to, to come to you. How long has it been out again? Uh we released it um, maybe two, three weeks ago. I think um, August 10th is when that came out. And just over three weeks. I mean, I know it's like super infancy, but how has it been performing for you guys? You know what? All, all of our feedback is coming back very positive. Um, if anything, there are so many features on the sh- on, on Chef Alarm that people are, are coming back with questions about, you know, can it do this, can it do that? And, and you know, the answer is yes, it can uh, the display on it has a, a constant min-max temperature reach. It's got a current temperature. It's got high-low alarms. Um, low alarm is great if you want to bring it inside and do um, desserts or, or yogurts or things like that. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, the feedback so far is that, that people are really loving it. All right, so the next item that we have uh, that I wanted you to talk a little bit about tonight is the big and loud timer. I mean, kind of sounds like I might know what I'm talking about, but just in case, maybe you should take over. <laughs> the Big and Loud Timer just came out, um, I believe, last week. We had the Chef Alarm first, and then uh, and Big and Loud Timer came out. Now, this is what we're calling the extra Big and Loud Timer um, because it's bigger and louder than the Big and Loud Timer, if you can believe that. Um, <laughs> this, one, this one's great, um, especially, I mean, in, in the barbecue world, this one's going to be great. Uh, if if you're setting time for turn-in, I know turn-in um, had the opportunity last year to, to do turn-in with, uh, with Phil Rizzardi and the Brethren at, uh, in Kansas City um, at the Royal. And I know that they're watching the clock constantly, and it's kind of a crazy, hectic time. The big and loud timer goes up to 110 decibels, with, which if, if you look that up, that's like the equivalent of standing next to a chainsaw at three feet. Um, so it's going to go off, and you're going to hear it. And everybody else around you is going to hear it too. Um, it's it's sturdy, it's durable, it's got a rugged housing, it's water resistant, and again, it borrows some of the styling that uh, that you is familiar with the thermopen. It's got that molded in seal. It's got a nice textured plastic, and it's uh, it's really going to stand up to wear and tear. I think and it's big and it's loud. So what I like is the fact that it's not hugely expensive. You're, I mean, it's just shy of thirty bucks for individual, but. You know, if you have a bunch of barbecue friends and you do a lot of competitions and maybe you're not around each other, you can order five or more and you're saving, you know, almost five bucks a piece on each individual unit. Yeah, that's, that's true. We, we actually had a, a little 
brainstorming session at the office where we were thinking, you know, what, what could you possibly use a timer for um, at home? And so the idea was, you know, you have one for outside, you have one for inside, maybe you have one for the, the, uh, the workshop out back. But, I mean, there's, there's a gajillion things that you can use a timer for, and we were getting pretty creative with what, uh, what we might put out. Here's the best. Uh, here's the one that wins the cake. If you have three daughters like I do, they go in the bathroom so you can limit to five minute showers. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? I mean, they just that keep. That was on the list. That oh, was on the list. Of course it was. Yeah. They'll run you out of house and home in water. <laughs> Perfect. All right, so we got the big and loud timer. We got the chef alarm. Uh, the next one, it's a thermopen, but it's a little bit different. Kind of name recognizable backlit thermopen. Yeah, the backlit thermopen. This is one that that we uh, we came out with um, right in the middle of summer, um, and it's one that that we've been working on for a long time. We uh, it, it's one that you know a lot of people claim that they're the ones who came up with the idea, and they're the ones who, you know it was my idea ten years ago that we had a backlit thermopen. Um, it, it was just an opportunity for us to, um, and, and and the reason why it took so long is because the the technology that went into it, it wasn't simply just putting a light calling it good and getting it out there. This it has an intelligent backlight, which is something we're proud of, um, where the light only comes on when you need it. And what that does is it preserves battery life, um, and it makes the, the thermal pen a little bit smarter than, than some of the competition. Um, but, yeah, it's great. Um, we, we recently put one in the hands of uh, DivaQ as she was uh, going out on the road. Um, and she loves it when she's doing her comps and she has to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and do a spot check. Of, uh, of her brisket or pork butts or whatever. She loves it. She doesn't have to turn on the generator. She doesn't have to kick on the lights and wake everybody up in camp. Um, and it's something, you, again, you open it up. Uh, a light diode senses the low light. The backlight, the backlight comes on. You get in, you get out. The light goes off when you close it and you're done. Um, it's one that's been very popular. Everyone um, that's got one that, that has sent us feedback just say they love it. Um, but we, uh, it's, it's interesting. A lot of people open it up initially right out of the box in the, in the daylight, and the light doesn't come on, and so they think it's broken um, until they read a little bit on it and, and realize that it has to be dark outside. Um, but that's, it's one of my favorites. If the only bitch I ever had about Thermopen was the fact that it was a little tough to read at night, the backlit edition pretty much makes it a, a slam dunk all the way around at this point. Yeah. i got to send you one, by the way, Greg. Hey, I I'm happily taking backlit thermal pens, uh, no doubt about. It. All right, the, the last one is the Blue Therm Duo. What is that? So the Blue Therm Duo. This is uh, just like all of our stuff. It's it's first and foremost a professional instrument. Uh, the Blue Therm Duo was designed um, for laboratories, for industrial type settings. It's ruggedized, got the molded in seals. I mean, it's it's a hardcore unit. It's it's not a it's not a, a you know a unit that, that you're gonna get and think that you you got ripped off. I mean it's heavy duty, um, and and for a good reason. It's meant for in, in, uh, industrial settings and that. Um, it's uh, similar to our 8060, our TW8060, the dual channel thermocouple unit. Uh, it works with your iOS um, and Android device. We have the BlueTherm Pro app that uh, allows you to to build process profiles and different things. Um, for whatever it is you're using it for. But it's a great unit. It, it's Bluetooth, so you can have your temperatures on your phone. 
um, you can walk away from the pit and, or whatever it is you're using it on, and you can uh, essentially set timers and, and check your temps. So it's, uh, it's one that I've uh, used quite a bit, and I, I really enjoy it. How good is the Bluetooth? I mean, look, the downfall of any of these type of thermometers is the fact that Bluetooth kind of blows. So how good is Yeah, well, and that's where a lot of confusion is, is that a lot of times people hear Bluetooth and they think wireless. There's some, there's some competitive units out there that operate wirelessly to radio, uh, radio waves. Um, their, their range is going to be a little bit better because they're operating on frequencies, whereas Bluetooth, um, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of times people associate Bluetooth simply with you know, an earpiece in your ear and your phone in your pocket. Um, just think about that, that situation. Your phone is on you. you know, your ear is obviously attached to you. So they're, they're close together. Um, same thing as if, uh, if you're at work and you have a wireless keyboard, you know, through Bluetooth, reach to your computer or whatnot. Right. So the range is, it's not meant for someone to be moving about. It's not meant for someone to be able to walk to the neighbor's house or, or to be able to, to go, you know, across the street and that. It's essentially um, made for, for closer ranges. Um, a lot of times what I'll do if I'm using one at home, is I'll set up the, the iPad in the kitchen and I'll have it, um, you know, just just propped up on a stand and I get great uh, great range. But again, if I move it around, if it's got to read through walls or if it has to read through my stucco with the chicken wire, that's going to interrupt the, the Bluetooth signal. And so I'm going to lose range and I'm going to get frustrated and I'm going to have to re, um, re-sync it and do the whole deal. Um, but I think as long as you go into it knowing that it's not wireless. It's a different kind of technology. It's not going to give you the same range as wireless. If, if you go into it knowing that, then I think you're going to be happy with it. There you go. That's called the Blue Therm Duo. We're talking with Jesse Black, the head of public relations and social media over ThermoWorks. Again, the website, thermoworks.com. Jesse, really appreciate the time tonight. Thanks for coming on, man. Hey, Greg. Thanks so much. Y'all take care. You got it. There he is. Jesse Black from ThermoWorks. Again, the uh, website ThermoWorks.com if you want to check that out and pick up one, two, three, or four, or ten of the new things that we were just talking about, baby. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guess what? Christmas lists are done. Christmas lists are done. Folks, somebody that has ThermoPens in his shop ready for sale, aside from ThermoWix, is a Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply. Absolutely. Trusted online retailer, supporter of the show for many years, carrying many different styles of cookers like Kamado Joe, Meadow Creek, Green Mountain Grills, Big Green Eggs, parts for Big Green Eggs that you really can't get anywhere else except through TastyLicksBBQ.com. Carrying all of the big injecting manufacturers. He makes his own lines of rubs and sauces. Fred does. You got to try those. But look, get there to tastylicksbbq.com and see exactly what they have. Check out all of Fred's videos, aside from being very entertaining, because Fred is a, uh, an ebullient character. Uh, teaches you a lot of great things, especially on the cookers that he sells at his particular establishment. Uh, they get to you expediently, it's fair priced, and again, you don't have to worry about somebody taking your money and leaving you high and dry. Fred is not that guy. TastyLicksBBQ.com is the website. That's TastyLicksBBQ.com. Let them know I sent you. And, I mean, what more can you say about a guy like Fred? Uh, aside from the fact we've got to get him on here ASAFP. 
Are coming out of the break, Brad Orson from the shed. But before that, we will win something. Stick around. We'll be right back. First prize of the night from Ted Daigle from the Daigle Family Company is giving away one of their party packs. New giveaway this week. Uh, This will be one each week for the next month, so three more after this one. This website is CajunSweetAndSour.com, all spelled out. CajunSweetAndSourSauce.com. What I understand, the sauce is knuckle-licking good, too, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, You'll get one each of their sweet and sour original sauce, the pecan garlic sauce, the applewood jalapeno, sweet and sour spicy, and their sauce with the most heat, the sweet habanero. You also can get a can of their Cajun Grillin' Blend barbecue rub. Cajun Grillin' Blend barbecue rub. All that. Wow. CajunSweetAndSourSauce.com is the website, and all you need to do is email me a... E- email, and in the subject line, put ThermoWorks Dual Probe Thermo. ThermoWorks Dual Probe Thermo, and you can win the Daigle Family Company the prize pack. Sweet and uh, b- 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 Cajun Sweet and Sour Sauce. Dot com. Good luck. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, we are back. My next guest will be one of the instructors at the Hog with a Heart barbecue class that will take place at this year's American Royal weekend. He is a hugely successful restaurant owner, sells a terrific line of sauces, and is now a bonafide TV star. Thanks to the Food Network show, which I believe is called The Shed. I think it's called The Shed. Let's go ahead and welcome back to the show the uh, head, they call him the head, head shed head, uh, Brad Orson joining me. I make that introduction like he's actually on the phone, but he's, he's not there. It's like I'm kind of just kidding, but I'm not. Uh, so we are chasing Brad Orison right now. You know, I always get, I, I really try to think that I do a very good job with the whole uh, time zone thing, right? Because I never want to be the guy that said, you never... Sp- Wait, I never want to be the guy that hears back from somebody. You didn't specify that it was Eastern Standard Time or something like that. I mean, yeah. I only say it, I think, every time I write a piece of time down on an email or correspondence of some sort, it's always EST. I mean, for me, it's EST. If I'm feeling exceptionally froggy i might do the math for you if you live in central mountain or west there might be even one in between that all right let's instead go to who won the daigle 
party pack. And it looks like Dustin wins. Dustin. Good for you, Dustin. Hope you win. You're damn right you win. Uh, Dustin and uh, Dustin, I, you, there's no last name, so I apologize. I just keep saying Dustin. Do me a favor. Send me back another email, and in the subject line, put uh, Cajun Sweet and Sour Sauce winner or something. Cajun Sweet and Sour winner. And then I'll forward that on to uh, Ted, and he'll make sure that you get hooked up. EDT, EET, blah, 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 whatever. Eastern Daylight Time, Eastern Standard Time. Does anybody know where you are in Greenwich time? I'm minus five GMT, baby. I'm right on the border. I'm right on the border of many things, but it's minus five GMT for me, for sure. So congratulations to Dustin. So Dustin, send me that uh, email, and we will get you your prize pack, if you will. I'm pretty sure. Is uh, Where are they at? Louisiana? I think, are they Eastern Standard Time? Is is Louisiana Eastern Standard Time? They might be. I don't know. So like there's a lot of barbecue shows that are out right now. I don't think there's any doubt about it, right? We have seen any number of TV shows come across the tube over the last one or two years or three years or four years. Every year there seems to be more and more barbecue television sprouting up. And while I was so thinking that t- last night, I was going to say tomorrow night, but last night I was going to make the effort after we had Chad Ward from Whiskey Bend Barbecue on last week helping me close the show. Right before we ended the show, he said, hey, have you seen barbecue? And I'm like, no. Now, look, where I come from, Cleveland, Ohio, you mentioned barbecue. It's a lot different than, you know, what we, us people in the barbecue and grilling sect, would understand barbecue to be. And there's a lot of different barbecues, but when you say barbecue in our industry, typically you're thinking of world-class barbecue cooker Bubba Latimer. In Cleveland, you're thinking about horribly average and rumored to boil his ribs currently over in Westlake, Ohio, Bubba Baker. No. Bubba Baker owns Bubba Q. All the way back, I believe, in the very first episode of this season of Barbecue Pitmasters, he was the guest judge that Dave Bosco won his uh, like his uh, local qualifier at when they were out in uh, northern Florida freezing their cans off. He was the guy that... Oh, boy. I knew this was coming. Um, he was the guy that was the first guest judge. He's in Mississippi, and that is Central Daylight Time. Well, I mean, nevertheless, you know, Central Daylight Time, uh, I put EST. If you don't know what EST stands for, it doesn't mean that we can talk to each other, you know, without communicating words. That's ESP, Eastern Daylight Prime. All right. Just because I love you guys, I'm going to try and call again. But if three times I call, you know, that's it. Confirmed, by the way, earlier. I just have a feeling this is going to come down to time. Yeah, Man, oh, man. Can you imagine? Um, 
Let's see. But even now, I mean, where are we at? Seven minutes? Oof. That doesn't make for a good interview. Nah. Got nothing. Got nothing. Looks like we'll miss Brad here. That's fine. So there's been a number of shows. You have the Bubba Q's. Chad said, have you seen Bubba Q on the Food Network? And I'm like, I don't watch it. Honestly, I do not watch the Food Network. So what happens? Last night I was watching uh, diners, drives-ins, and dives. And there was like a three-hour run, and I caught in the middle of it. And then The Shed was on at 10, which I believe was the finale of that show. And that's the only one I saw. And I caught it halfway through. They were at some competition, uh, MBN competition, and Daddy-O had turned in his, I believe they were shish kebabs or something like that. And uh, the broad running them back to the table, uh, set them on judge's table, and then dropped them. And she was caught by the camera. You know, she quickly looked back like, nobody saw that, right? Oh, damn, damn camera, no! And then it was a whole big thing. Well, there's two left, and two got on the floor, and two sufficient enough to feed eight judges, and whatever the case may be. Well, as luck would have it, uh, those particular ones won the day for the chef. Filet kebabs, right. That's the only... It's the only show that I saw of the Shet. That was another reason why I wanted to have uh, Brad on because I figured we could talk a little bit about it and see if there might be like a new season. You know, the other thing with these shows on these channels is you know a season sometimes could mean like four shows, not ten or twelve or whatever the case. I don't know what a full season constitutes because I'm not in the TV biz, ladies and gentlemen. But you know I can go for as many months and days and episodes as I want. Last time I checked, you do one episode a week times 52 times seven years. Quick math, one, three, it's 758,000 episodes I've done. Yeah. I'm syndicated large and in charge. But that might be the only show I've really never seen a lot of internet buzz on either. A lot of the other shows, you get on some of those barbecue rag forums and... Somebody's got an opinion about everything. I haven't really seen a lot of buzz about the shed, you know, good or bad. Does that mean that it is striking a little bit of apathy from the barbecue crowd? When I say barbecue crowd, of course, I don't mean like us, really, because none of these shows are really made for us. But I think I like the fact that this was a institute or a version of a show that has gone away from the traditional recipe of how barbecue shows are to be, which is some bastardized version of Chopped. Uh, this is focusing on the business, is focusing on the people. Obviously, there was a competition mixed in yesterday, but that wasn't, I mean, it was the focal point, but, you know, it's more about how they're coming together and working as a team and working as a company and a business. And I think that lends the opportunity for the viewer to get a vested interest in the characters or in the people that are in the show, which is my biggest critique of any barbecue pitmaster season except well what most would refer to as season one but i believe it's technically season four when they did the johnny trigg and uh, the one guy who was new and it was a chef he thought he was really cool paul i think his name was and uh, jamie gear and all those guys that is a recipe that 
I think people can get invested in. It doesn't always have to be about the cooking. And sure, you want to see what they're doing. Who wouldn't be into this show? Let me pitch. I'm getting ready to pitch a show. Nobody's allowed to take not you, not you, not you, especially, especially you. You might be able to take it if you ask me nice. You find a team, and it doesn't have to be, you know, like a top team, although top team in the industry would be nice because the potential of winning is nice. You know, it's always nice to have the big crescendo at the end having the win. But you get a really good team, and you get to see it from start to finish, from a Sunday to a Sunday, right? Sunday they're driving home from a contest. You get to see what their life is like in between competitions. You get to see how they're packing for a competition. You get to see how they're traveling to the competition, where they're staying, the money that they're laying out for these events. Then you get to see the event itself, see how they place. And then Sunday it starts all over again. It's no different than any other freaking TV show that's like superly popular on reality television right now. Uh, Deadliest Catch, hugely popular. Why are you watching? Because you want to see him catch Opelio Crab for the 715,000th time? No. That stays the same. The barbecue thing would stay the same. You tune in to Deadliest Catch, uh, A, because there is a chance... Although it rarely happens of somebody getting swept over the deck, never to be seen from again. Rarely happens. I don't think I've ever seen it happen. Hook to the face, pot to the sternum, whatever the case may be. You want to see the fisticuffs. You want to see the infighting. You want to see the interaction between the deck mates and how that jet. P.S. How long is an Opelio season where these guys can walk off the boat doing death-defying work with a cool 96 grand in their pocket? What? Sign me up for the fishery, ladies and gentlemen. I want ninety six grand for uh, five or six weeks. Even if it was eight, I'm willing to go the whole eight weeks of work if you're going to give me $96,000 for the season. Hell, I'll throw in a whole full quarter. Three months, $96,000 that I'm walking out with. I might even think of doing a second season during that calendar year. You're welcome. You're welcome. Why not? Big Mister's in the house. What's up, Mister Mister? How's Mrs. Mister Mister? I think it's a viable show opportunity, and I'm going to start pitching it to a lot of people that make shows. Get a, For instance, who wouldn't want to see this Neil Strauder on the television seeing what happens from Sunday to Sunday? Uh, this guy would be an exceptional show because he's also doing it for a living. He's selling barbecue in the uh, the open-air markets down in SoCal. Watts. A lot of those other cities I can't remember right now. I just remember Watts for some reason. Plus, he competes from time to time. I mean, that's the interaction. That's what I, Plus, you know, he can give the tips and the tricks and the techniques and the stuff and the people that he knows. He can name drop and all that other stuff. I mean, that's what the people really want to see. They're tuning in for information. But they want the interaction, too. They want to get involved with somebody. And I still think in terms of barbecue pitmasters, that's exactly what the problem is. You see a Dave Bosca or you see a uh, you know some of those restaurant guys, the Basty Boys and a bunch of the other people I can't remember, or a, a Stump McDowell or Rob Bagby, whatever. You see him one time for an hour, and then you might not see him again for another three, four weeks. 
You're like, oh shit, I forgot he won his thing. He's now he's back on. Great. What if week after week you got to see him do something? You grew to form a TV relationship or you become invested in what he has going on. That's why all these shows work. That's why uh, the alligator show works. They catch all they do is catch alligators. It's the same, but it's the interaction with the people, the dynamic with the people that are calling them out. It's like I got alligators in my house. Unrelated, I have an alligator dream last night that I was catching alligators, and I had electrical tape in my pocket. You're goddamn right. You're right. That's the face. Don, I don't know if you want to say I have a face for radio. I mean, we've seen pictures of you, pal. Pal. Uh, You saw Brad Orison appear on this show. Let me run the graphic for that. Except for the fact that you didn't hear Brad Orison. It's like you never know with that guy, right? There's a good chance I could see him later on in a number of weeks. We'll have it out. Trust me, we'll have it out. Let me talk to you for a few minutes about the longest-running sponsor of the show, the Barbecue Guru. Gang, if you've been thinking about automatic pit temperature control devices for your cooker, stop here. This is the company that started it all. They are the creators of this technology. Why would you buy one from any other company? I don't know. Not familiar with how these little beauties work. I'm not going to get into the minute details, but imagine a product that allows you to set your pit temperature. And once set, it keeps it running at that set temperature all the way through the cook. Sound too good to be true? It's not. This is real-life technology you can take advantage of today. Boom. Maybe you're a busy working professional. Or perhaps you're constantly on the run with kids. You're doing errands, taking the volleyball practice, whatever the case may be. You just don't have the time to set around in 10 pit temperatures. I I dig it. The Barbecue Guru allows you to throw on a pork butt or brisket or a couple slabs of ribs, and then you're off to do whatever it is you need to get done, and the Guru maintains the temperature you set it at. There's a number of different models to choose from. Procom 4 Wireless. The Cyber... No, Procom 4 Wireless. 15 years ago, the... Pro- the CyberQ Wi-Fi, that's what I meant to get. The CyberQ2, the DigiQ DX2, the newest unit, the PartyQ, $129 for most cookers. Add 10 bucks for the Kamado-style cookers. Any Kamado-style cooker, 10 bucks. add it. Easiest point of entry when it comes to these pit temperature control devices. Self-contained package, it runs on double A's. Moving from one cooker to the next. The whore of the industry, as I like to say. Now, if you're in the market for the cooker, an Onyx oven is the thing that you want to look at. Accommodates full and half pans, holds a ton of food, works seamlessly with the Barbecue Guru pit temperature devices. Now, do yourself a favor. Head on over to thebarbecueguru.com. That's the BBQguru.com. And check out everything that they have to offer you. Any questions, call them 800-288-GURU. That's G-U-R-U, 800-288-GURU. They'll make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. Once again, 800-288-GURU or visit thebbqguru.com, the Barbecue Guru, a breakthrough in barbecue technology. Uh, We are coming back with a giveaway. Stick around. We'll be right back. Now's the time on the show where we get stuff away, yeah. 
It's free and you don't have to pay a thing. That's why it's free. All right, your chance to win a $10 gift card from TheBBQSuperstore.com. On the website, TheBBQSuperstore.com, a weekly giveaway you can find right here on the show. Ten bucks from Rich Parker and the gang over at Barbecue Superstore. All you have to do is send me an email, and in the subject line, put Brad Orison No Show. Brad Orison No Show for your chance to win a $10 gift certificate from TheBBQSuperstore.com. Good luck. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Wow, just like that. We have a winner, and his name is Kevin Bird. Birdie! Kevin. Bird. Oh, Dustin won the other. All right, so congratulations to Kevin Bird. You win the $10 gift card from the Barbecue Superstore. Uh, you don't need to send me any shipping information. I'll just forward your email address over to Rich Parker at the Barbecue Superstore, and he will tell you or be in touch to tell you how you can redeem your $10 gift card. They're on a cooking frenzy, too, by the way, in case you didn't notice. The Barbecue Superstore. TheBBQSuperstore.com. Check them out. Buy early. Buy often. Buy all that stuff. We have a winner, folks. Don't send me any more emails. We have a winner. Folks, we have a winner. Uh, all the way back in the 914 segment, Jesse Black from ThermoWorks joined us. ThermoWorks, for the people that are just uh, joining me right now, are uh, the people that make Thermopen. If you are a barbecue and grilling enthusiast, there is a very good chance that you have a Thermopen in your house somewhere. Maybe seven. Lots of new products that are coming out, so uh, hit up thermoworks.com and check out everything that they have that is out right now. Everything that he mentioned on the show is out right now. You can also go back to the podcast tomorrow and listen to everything that you might have missed. Available on iTunes, available on my website, thebbqcentralshow.com, available on youtube.com slash B-A-R-B-E-C-U-E, the number four, the letter U, barbecue for you number of ways to get the show in case you missed it. Second hour coming up straight away. Let me get a nice ice water. I suggest you might do the same. And then uh, Adam Perry Lang in the second hour as well. See you back here in a couple minutes. You're listening to the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Networks. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. 
fine. How's it going? <laughs> you have a great show. I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono, it's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? We ate fifty before wieners. Oh, listen, Lavernius, shake face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> We have top men working on it right now. Ooh. Top men. All right, just like that, we are back into the second hour. Eight seven seven four four eight zero four three three. If you want to jump in on the show tonight, you can also uh, email the show if you want to. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Either way, not either way, but however you want to do it, I'm more than happy to uh, have you join in on the show tonight. Should you see fit, don't forget still to come tonight. Adam Perry Lang, first time on the show, so very excited to. Uh, a, have him on the show, and uh, we'll see exactly what we're going to be able to uh, discuss. I spent a large amount of time doing a lot of research, trying to figure out what questions I want to ask him and all this great stuff, and inevitably time evaporates very quickly. What the hell? Damn it. Completely forgot that I was using the uh, lavalier mic there for a second. Step away from the table, you know, you got to know what you're doing there. All right, sorry about that. 877-448-0433, Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. And uh, we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, on the show next week, let me go ahead and get the Google Calendar up. I'm telling you right now, if you don't use Google Calendar, folks, you're missing out. Google Calendar is the best thing ever. Um, wow. First time in a long time... TBA, the whole show, TBA. Don't worry, I got it covered. You just relax. You just tune in next week and see what kind of craziness I can come up with. It's going to be crazy, I can tell you that. I'm not even going to tell you. Let me update you quickly on Operation Barbecue Relief and the raffle that we have been running for the last uh, almost week and a half. I guess technically it's, it's been like two weeks, right? This is the beginning of the second week. So uh, Friday, which is the 6th, marks the end of being able to do the raffle. So if you have been thinking that you want to take part in it, that you want to buy a $27 ticket for the possibility of getting into the hog with a heart class, whole hog class, that is going to be given during the American Royal event that weekend, Go to my website right now, thebbqcentralshow.com. There might be a post or two down, but just look for the uh, win a ticket for a hog with a heart. And then you have the option of buying one or two or three or four. You know, However many you buy, this is how many times your name gets into the hopper. I will draw. I'll put names in a hat or a bag or whatever. And then I'll stick a camera on it. We'll shake them around. And then you'll see me pull the winner out directly. I will hold it up to the camera. I will announce him live on the show next Tuesday, if you can believe it or not. What's the caveat here? I'll tell you what the caveat is. 
if you win, aside from it being incredibly awesome, you are literally winning a $1,500 prize for the minuscule investment of only $27, should you see fit. If you only want to buy one ticket, if you want to buy two, it's only $54. $54 for a chance to win a $1,500 class that is going to be given by some of the top pit masters out there right now. Something you don't want to do? Okay, so the downside is this. If there's any downside, which is, this is very minimal, you do have to get yourself to the American Royals. If you don't have plans to go and you don't care if you win, you know, donate, buy a ticket and just donate it and, you know, get in touch with me and say, hey, you know, I'm not going to be able to use. That's the only thing that you have to do. We got everything else on this. You pay $27 a ticket. If you win, you get yourself to the Royal. You will take part in a fabulous party the night before the class. You'll be fed. You'll be well taken care of. You will then do the class the following day, and then you will eat like a king like you wouldn't believe. And you're going to be at the biggest barbecue event that the country has each and every year, the World Series of Barbecue, that being the American Royal. Who wouldn't want to be around that kind of hilarity? you got to be kidding me. And for $27, you know, I'm no mathematician, but that is a, hu- a very minimal investment for a huge potential return of $1,500 class. Wow. They're going to teach you how to make money at it, too. A lot of these guys, you know, giving these cooking classes, just teaching you how to be effective in competitions. The hog with a heart class is not only teaching you how to do, you know, prep and cooking and all this stuff, teaching you how to actually do it and make a profit at it. So you can take that information out of Kansas City, Missouri. You can take it back to wherever your hometown is, and then you can become a whole hog profit-making machine. Profit is not a dirty word. Thanks to Meat Rake for linking that up in case you didn't see. Jump in there. Buy some tickets, you SOBs, if you haven't. If you have, thank you. I hope I draw your name. Your name and your name and your name. Not your name, but your name. All right. I've tried and tried and tried and tried to not have to talk about this. But given the fact that there was no Sam's Club event this past week, gearing up for the huge event that will be taking place this coming weekend as Patrick Paquette so graciously asked for the Barbecue Central Show Karma, we now have to get to this. This has literally been on my to-talk-about list for like five weeks, I think. Well, let me see. Bef- before you see, let me see. Let me see if there's a date on this thing. All right. So this has literally been on my docket for a month. Eight two. this came out. We're finally talking about the fact that a drunk man passes out and wakes up without his penis. Folks, I'm not kidding. Here's the news article right here. A Dominican man says he doesn't know how it happened. Just that he woke up after a night of heavy drinking without his penis. 64-year-old Geraldo Ramos of Santiago told local TV stations he doesn't remember how he came to lose his intimate member but certainly recalls being rushed to the hospital for emergency surgery and its mysterious disappearance. Neighbors say they believe the dog attacked a very drunk, very naked Ramos and bit off his private part. But Ramos denies the version of events. A dog owner himself, Ramos points to the fact that the alleged dog, much like his penis, 
could not be found. Way to see some light. Way to shed some comedic value on that, Ramos. Uh, Ramos told Natikas Sin the incident was a wake-up call for him, and he plans to lay off the booze going forward. Hey, uh, great idea now. Might have wanted to think about that before you got your penis bit off. That's the end of the article. Um, You know, I don't really know what to say other than the fact that I the amount the amount of alcohol one had to consume to be so drunk that you didn't shriek in pain with the fact that your penis got bit off by a dog a dog I mean, if I'm drunk and a dog is uh, uh, making a run at me, uh, I don't care how drunk I am. I'm pretty scared. I might, you know, fall over in a bo- By the way, not only how drunk do you have to be to not realize that a dog is bitten off your penis until, like, the next morning, how drunk do you have to be where you're walking around naked? What? Get that big stuff out of here. I mean, he's not doing it inside the house walking around naked. My man is walking around the streets of the, the mean streets of the Dominican Republic. In the very literal sense. I mean, I think there's a lot of mean streets in the Dominican Republic. So you're walking around <clears throat> half cocked. See what I did there? To the point where a dog is now charging you and taking off your. The thing that makes you a man. Pretty much. I mean, if we're talking about bare, <clears throat> bare bones, <clears throat> bone. See what I did there. If we're taking it down to bare bones, you know, the thing that separates the men from the boys or the men from the women is the penis, you know, and the lack of boobs. I, I, I. Ugh. I'm just glad we're able to finally put that one to rest. So what's the moral of the story, folks? The moral of the story is this. If you feel you've drank too much, don't get naked. Don't walk down the mean streets of the Dominican Republic. And for God's sake, watch any and all dogs. They're looking to bite penises off, and you won't even remember it. You won't even remember it. How could you never be? Ten days in Nevada. Watch out. Chad, no drinking down there in Nevada. I heard there's dogs in Nevada, too. Hey, did you have a Labor Day party this past weekend? Were you the host that got stuck by the grill all day? Didn't have a chance to enjoy your party and watch the temperature of your meat from your iPhone or Android device? Shame on you. You know, we talked about it last week with the guy that helped invent the iGrill. Coming up next month, we're going to be doing a contest for the free iGrill unit, so stay tuned for that as well, of course. I mean, you, know, you want to win free stuff. If it's free, it's me. If it's free, it's us. The iGrill is a Bluetooth-enabled cooking thermometer that pairs with your Apple or Android device using the free iGrill Pro app, which can be downloaded in the iTunes App Store and the Google Play Store. Bluetooth range is up to 200 feet, so you can monitor your food from practically anywhere in your house. This gives you the free time to do what you want with the assurance that your food is being perfectly cooked. Go watch the game. Have a beer. Have four. Be careful of dogs. Mow the lawn. Uh, Maybe not. The iGrill has your food covered. The iGrill 
has dual probe capability, so you can monitor two different pieces of meat at once. You can also measure the ambient temperature of your smoker or grill using the ambient temperature probe, which can be purchased at iGrillInc.com. That website, the letter I, the word grill, Inc, I-N-C, iGrillInc.com. Within the app, you can set minimum and maximum temperature settings. If your grill or smoker gets too hot or too cool, your smart device will alert you to the fact. And a promo code CENTRAL at checkout for 15% off everything that you shop and buy at iGrillInc.com. Don't forget they also offer U.S. shipping for free on orders over $50. So even if you buy just one iGrill, it ships for free. You're saving money right there, probably uh, 8 9 bucks. So enter promo code CENTRAL at checkout for 15% off everything you get at iGrillLink.com. The free iGrill app for iOS has Facebook integration, so you can upload pictures of whatever you're cooking right to the iGrill Facebook page. The app also has a globe feature that shows you all the other iGrills around the world, and you can also graph to monitor the speed at which your temperature is rising. It's 80 bucks. There's some ancillary products you can get as well, like that ambient temperature probe. You get 15% off the entire order when you enter promo code CENTRAL at checkout. Adam Perry Lang coming up next. Tell all your friends. Tweet it. Facebook it. It's going to be huge. Hope you got your notepads, your pens, your pencils, some type of writing utensil. Adam Perry Lang coming up. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, we are back. 877-448-0433. You can email the show, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com if you want. Two ways to get in touch with me. My guest in the second hour is one of the most popular mainstream figures for our industry today. He is a multiple-time author, and he has made a number of TV appearances over the past few years to include Jimmy Kimmel Live. The book Serious Barbecue is out now in its second edition, rapidly becoming one of the books to have in your reference arsenal when it comes to barbecue and grilling. Let's head on over to the hotline. And welcome, first time to the show. Somebody I've been very excited to have on the show, Adam Perry Lang, joining me. Adam, how are you, buddy? Hey, bud. How you doing? I'm doing absolutely fabulous. Glad we could finally uh, connect and sit down here for a little bit. Uh, where are we finding you tonight, Adam? I'm in. Uh, I'm taking it easy after um, the heat here, and I'm in Los Angeles now, so I'm in Manhattan Beach. Nice. Uh, good weather out there today. Oh, yeah, it was just baking out there, and I put together this uh, back lot barbecue, and it's just been, just been baking. I don't think I've ever drank so much water in my life. There's a lot of things that I want to get to tonight. That is actually one of them because uh, I find that uh, very unique in the fact of you know your approach, this whole getting barbecue and grilling out to the masses. But I guess before we do that, maybe you know just a little bit of a background about you and just how you got into cooking in general, not necessarily the barbecue and grilling aspect. Sure. Um, uh, I was going to school in University of Wisconsin in Madison, and uh, I was reaching my final year there, and uh, really wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do. I, you know, a lot of my contemporaries were going to law school, and uh, 
I just really was not feeling it. But I, my whole life, I've had an attraction to cooking. So um, I took one of those tests to kind of just say, oh, what are other people in my in my situation doing? And three things popped up. It was chef, landscape, architecture, and advertising executive. And I said, wow, you know, I'd love to be a chef. And uh, I decided to go to culinary school. And from there, I mean, I just, I was just off to the races. I've always cooked my whole life, but I never considered it as a possibility as a, as a career. And, uh, you know, to this day, I just, can't think of it doing anything else. So like growing up, I mean, you were always around food, the mom, your dad, they, they were all big cooks. And was it something you guys like to take part in or was it more of the parents? Oh, cooking? absolutely. Yep. You know, I can remember since I was, uh, you know, five, six years old, I would, I would get involved cooking, but, uh, I was a latchkey kid and I would just get home and I would start to cook for myself, whether it was just cakes or, you know, anything beyond cereal, I would just be making. So I remember, when I was like 12 years old, I was wrapping drumsticks and prosciutto. <laughs> it's funny. Adam Perry Lang joining me here on the show. The website, by the way, if you want to check him out, and he's got a lot of great videos and a number of other reference items, adamperrylang.com. So you go to culinary school, you graduate, so you're, uh, I guess, a, you know, a classically trained chef. Did you get right into, like, uh, fine dining or, or high-end cooking at that point? I, I did. I really just was focused on trying to get the best foundation that I could and try to work, work with the best that I could. And, and I was very fortunate. I met uh, Daniel Ballou when he was in uh, a restaurant called the Cirque in Manhattan, which was one of the restaurants. And, um, and I just couldn't get enough of it. I was uh, there 16 hours a day, um, you know, two hours before my shift learning butchering. And then I would do my shift and then I'd hang around after to get pointers or tips and, uh, it, it, you know, I was very, I was in the right place at the right time with the right chef. And he really took to me, I took to him and, uh, I stayed with him for a while. And then I helped him open up restaurant Danielle, which is another fantastic fine dining restaurant. And I really focused in those areas for a while and, uh, worked in a couple other ones, moved to France where I met my wife. I cooked there for about a year and a half. <clears throat> but something happened along the way towards the end. There was a real shift in my, my profession going towards a lot of automation. And it kind of bothered me a lot because it, to me, it wasn't really cooking. I mean, to this day, I think it's very interesting. It's a way of understanding cooking and food, but it didn't complete me. So I started just to go towards the live fire cooking and more authentic forms there you're just more engaged like what's happening before you turn the stove on and that's when I got really sucked into live fire cooking. How quickly did it go from wanting to get away from the automation realizing that there was no pun intended kind of a fire burning within you to learn a little bit more about the live fire cooking and then really kind of uh, detaching away from what you had been doing and really getting into the live fire stuff? Well, it was instantaneous. I mean, I just, first of all, I love working with fire. I think there's something about it that just pulls you in. And, uh, you know, you can't, you can contain it, um, but it's always somewhat, un, you know, unpredictable. And so I think there's that challenge into it. So I was really just attracted to that. I was just kind of moving around coals and, and burning wood and understanding what the, what the surrounding humidity might do or not or understanding insulation of different outdoor cooking equipment. I just got really just pulled into it and, um, and it just, just snowballed. 
So you just mentioned a little bit ago that you're doing this backyard or, or this back lot barbecue, and I'd seen on the website we've yeah. been doing this uh, pretty much right around the time of my birthday, like July 9th, July 10th, up until uh, you go until September 5th or something like that. I mean, what's it all about? What are you looking to yeah, accomplish? Yeah, two more days. Yeah. What what's like? What are you uh, What are you looking to accomplish, or you know, what was the inspiration of doing this? The inspiration was really just to take it to the next level, which is really just actually, in some eyes, a step back. The ultimate simplicity of making my own charcoal, of burning wood in a separate uh, chamber, um, and uh, using the best wood that I could find. I happen to love pecan wood. Burning it down and then shoveling it twelve feet away into a custom pit that I, I, I engineered with J&R Manufacturing, fantastic uh, company right there. And, you know, I just had this vision. I just wanted to do this direct, indirect cooking where a lot of the flavor um, isn't, you know, I'm not a big, heavy smoke fan. <laughs> and I started to taste, I just started to taste barbecues. Like, you know, the smoke, it gets to me. It just messes with the digestion to me. Like, I mean, I think it tastes great, but I just never really felt great after. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I never felt great after. And then when I started actually tasting barbecue like this, it, it just changed my life. And I wanted to create this slice of country in the city where um, I would be doing it in the urban center because you can only find this place really off the beaten path. So for me, my goal was to really create this slice of country in the city and actually create my own charcoal and urban center, which I haven't seen too much of uh, just been done. It's very it's very challenging to actually do. Did you get any static from like the the, the uh, restaurant officials and stuff like for like burning fire out in the back of a basically like a TV set lot and stuff like that? Well, I mean, you know, I did get a lot of resistance, but I tried <clears throat> I tried to simplify it. I, I bought a 45-foot flatbed trailer, um, ripped up all the wood decking, and uh, we put refractory for a good portion of it. It's very, very uh, conservative with it. And um, my friend Nicole Davenport, uh, uh, fourth-generation Texan, you know, mm-hmm. she jumped on board the project with me. Um, her family actually built the uh, pole generator. Which is fantastic, and uh, just mounted it. Was really conservative with it, and I just felt like, I, you know, some of the biggest concerns out there was not so much of what was burning, but if someone could would actually touch it and burn themselves. So I, I solved the problem by just raising it up off the street and didn't allow the public on top of the platform. So from concept to being a few days out from having it end, did it? exceed any expectation that you had as far as how popular it was actually going to be? Well, you know what? It, for me, I knew it was going to be really um, popular only because it's just such an honest expression of it. There's no, it's not, there's so many ovens, and I'll call them ovens out there that are set it and forget it. And, you know, I'm guilty of it in the past, you know, owning a lot of these, and there's nothing wrong with them. But, it, you know, a lot of them are just using smoke as flavoring. And for me, smoke is really just more of a byproduct of the process now. Um, and it's not so much as like, oh, we're going to give it smoke flavor. And to me, I think like a lot of all flavors are developed from that. And uh, the, the true flavor that I'm finding now is really just the fat and the juices hitting those coals instantly, uh, evaporating, and then planting themselves on back on the meat. It's just giving, it gives it such an intensity of flavor. I don't even... 
you know, the whole concept of just calling like this stuff barbecue, to me, it's like perfectly roasted meat. <laughs> and I mean, we can talk about barbecue as a regional thing, but for me, it's the ultimate way to cook meats. And, um, it's, it, I happen to use wood. I happen to, you know, use the wood and cooking off a lot of the, you know, space, this tasteful stuff. But, you know, for me, it's really just, it's the ultimate. This, I've never cooked barbecue like this. I'm so, I'm really proud of it. Is this something that you would hope to revisit again, you know, six months from now or a year from now, something you would like to just do full time? I'm going to take it on the road. I, you know, I'd like to do different cities once, uh, different city every month, uh, I'm also in the process of developing another restaurant or two that would incorporate. I'm just so crazy about it. Um, I can't get enough. I'm I'm just so happy doing it because there's no filler. I mean, you just can't get better than this. You can't. I think like the first time that I ever saw you was, and I mean, I'd heard about you for years, but I first saw you on uh, an episode of Jimmy Kimmel and you were out like in a crowd, maybe he wasn't even in California, but Artie Lang was a guest, and you were cooking on this huge ranch kettle, and you gave Artie this oh, yeah, huge beef things. rib. I mean, it looked like one of the best beef ribs I've ever seen in my life. Is that like the first yeah, big TV hit that you had, or, or were you doing it you know, well before that? Um, I've, I've done a lot of great uh, TV shows. I was on Oprah, lots of different national shows. Um, that You know, I love... Jimmy becomes such a dear friend of mine. And for me, you know, just to do a show, he's just such a barbecue lover in general. And it's always fun to do that because it's, it's great. As you know, when you, you know, you're, you're into it, you're accomplished chef yourself, you know, cooking, um, aficionado and, you know, cooking for people that really appreciate it. There's nothing better than that. But I mean, for me, beef ribs in general, I know people can say this out of the other because the price is so prohibitive, but to me, for barbecue and cooking in this fashion, there's no better expression of beef than the plate short rib beef rib, period. Um, people can say, oh, I like brisket, that, but I got to tell you what, you know, if you have no, um, if you have no, nothing to be concerned about in terms of budget or price, that is hands down the best piece of beef. You got the bone for protection. It's got the right balance of collagen, fat, the type of, uh, um, meat, it, 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 the protein structure, it gets a concentration of beef flavor like none other. It's the ultimate. It's the ultimate. It's even throughout. You don't have a cross section of two different muscles on it. It's the best. My my brother calls it the uh, steak on a stick. I mean, it's absolutely the most it, favorite thing that he likes when I'm doing uh, beef ribs on the on the cooker for sure. Is it's the best. You can do a quick cook. You can. You can cook it just to the point where before it's falling apart, you can slice it like it's steak. You can cook it like I cook it for, let's say, six hours. I don't cook it to a temperature. I cook it to a sound. So when I'm cooking in my pit, it has to be like a, a steady, real lazy kind of, you know, sizzle like that. And, you know, we we do have a thermometer gauge on the pit on the upper right-hand corner. It reads basically 175, <clears throat> but because um, we have shelves with no, nothing type of def- no type of deflector between it, we're just really cooking for a sound, and we bounce it up and down the different wow. shelves. We cook in stages as opposed to doing the whole load at once. So we'll start the coals, let's say, 2 in the morning, and then put the first load. We start the charcoal at 2 in the morning. We start putting the first load at 5 o'clock, then the next one at 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, and uh, it's just perfect. 
So kind of transitioning just a little bit, obviously another big portion of you know what makes you you is the whole book writing process. And, of course, a lot of people are very familiar with the serious barbecue. But just you know, book writing in general for you, what kind of a process is that? Is it easy? Does it kind of a, an ebb and flow with each effort that you're putting out? How do you find that whole book writing process? Well, I, I love it. Um, I I love writing books, but it, to me, it's not really so much uh, of like, oh, I'm going to write a recipe. Basically, when you're just cooking thousands of steaks and you're sitting there in a restaurant and you're just there with the fire, things are happening. And you, you just start noticing different hand movements and what are you doing. And because oftentimes you have lots of time constraints or not, you know, you, you kind of create this kind of system to get what you want out of, let's say, the meat or whatever you're cooking. And so, uh, like, um, uh, Charter Scruff, which was uh, my third book that I wrote, um, that was really a two-week kind of just study of the things that I've just got into and doing. You know, like, uh, you know, of course, everybody, not everybody, lots of people heard about cooking in the, the charcoal, but I've never really read about anything about it and I started just experimenting on it and failing at it and then succeeding at it and just trying to understand why and what happens and so for me writing a book is really just getting with someone that's standing next to me because I hate measuring stuff and just like while I'm doing it like oh why are you doing that what's you know what's going on with this and and so it's really you know, you evolve when you're cooking, you know, after you're doing it, you might get bored, you might become fixated on something. So for me, it's, it's all process and it's a moment in time. So, I mean, like that book is really a distillation of two weeks of cooking. Um, and then you obviously takes you a year to write it, but because you have to be so exacting and that to me is really boring and tedious, but, um, it's important though for it to be boring and tedious because it forces you to really ask those questions. Why? Or how would the, the amateur, um, cook or novice start to do or how an expert perceive it. So it's really just an evolution, you know, of, of, you know, why you're doing the things and it gives you answers in that itself. We're talking with Adam Perry Lang. Uh, you can visit his website, adamperrylang.com here while we're chatting. You know, we barely touched on it a couple minutes ago, but why not? Let's uh, just jump into this a little bit. You know, how do you differentiate or do you differentiate or how do you categorize the words barbecue and then grilling? Would you say that barbecue is an all-encompassing term in which grilling falls under? Are they just two completely different things? What's your take on it? You know, I think that, honestly, I think we're past it, the difference between barbecue and grilling. And look, you know, it's a sensitive subject because, you know, you're dealing with a lot of, a lot of nostalgia with people. Um, to me, it's just all live fire cooking. So sometimes I'm direct grilling, but it's, it's, it's at such a distance from the coals that, you know, the flames might just tickle or just kind of, it's still direct cooking, but it's indirect. So are you grilling? Or are you not? You know, um, people associate with the temperature and they talk about low and slow, but I think it's a whole lot more and it's very hard to classify. We can turn around and we can, we can say, oh, barbecue, it's not real, um, unless it's low and slow or it's Southern style. But, you know, I grew up in the, in the Northeast. And when we say we're going to have a barbecue, I mean, that was really grilling. So what exactly does the word mean? It means a lot of different things to a lot of different folks. So, you know, for me, I'm a, I'm a lot looser with it. I don't really try, you know, if you have a personal connection or you have, you know, something like deeply embedded as it, you know, it's highly nostalgic. I can't compete with that, nor do I want to. I mean, if you own that word like that, go ahead and own it. It makes you happy. 
but it means so many different things to different people. I just really look at it as a live fire cooker. Sometimes when I'm cooking over coals or or, far, or or just grilling over fire, I'm not even using the fire. I'm using like the heat from the side of the barbecue as as cooking the side of the piece of meat. Or I could be resting on top of the barbecue and letting it rest but carry over. So, I mean, it, and it's not just about the fire, but it, you know, you have all these different tools around you and it's not just about fire and meat. It's, it could be a lot of different things. So let's just stop being snobs about these whole terms. That's basically what we're saying. I guess so. I mean, you know, I, you know, you can call it snobby about it or not, but I'm sensitive to if someone feels strongly about it, I'm not judgmental about it, but for me, it's kind of evolved into a lot of different things. I met so many different people and they've used the terms in so many different ways that I kind of rise above it and I'm just like, look, you know, I personally, I like cooking with fire. Natural forms of cooking does it for me. But also if people say, what type of grill should I get? I don't really say, oh, you have to get wood or fire. I just said, well, what are you going to cook on the most? What right. do you have access to? You know, if you have a terrace in the city, all you can do is electric. <laughs> say, fine, you know, get outside and cook. I think, you know, you're missing out a little bit, but I figure like, that will evolve and that will come. I don't want it to be an absolute for people because I think just the whole thing of community and bringing people together and cooking outdoors and having that freedom of it, I think that's really liberating to do stuff. So I'm really not judgmental on it. You know, I have no problem with gas grills. I think they're really great and they serve a purpose. Um, and if it's getting you outdoors, that's great. But what really drives me, drives me and gets me crazy is cooking with fire and making charcoal and, and, and playing around with it. We're talking with Adam Perry Lang. Adam, can I uh, just put you on a brief hold here so I can make a read, and then we'll uh, yeah, pick sure. the conversation back up, all right? Uh, we are talking with Adam Perry Lang. AdamPerryLang.com is the website if you want to check it out here while we're talking. All right, again, quickly, let me talk to you about Butcher's Barbecue. Look, you know, if you're like me, you're always trying to think of ways to step up that barbecue and grilling game up, maybe a notch, maybe two. No easier way to do it than by visiting my good friend Dave Bosco over at Butcher Barbecue. We all know Butcher is well-known for the injections, the pork, the beef. Of course, that prime injection, now Bird Booster, giving you three times more retention of moisture in the particular chicken cut that you're working with instead of the traditional brining. you want 7% or brining, do you want 21% with Bird Booster? You tell me. If you want less, get less. If you want more, get with the Bird Booster. The prime injection has combined all of the things loved with the beef injection using its award-winning flavor enhancers and its ability to keep your brisket juicy, now combined with the competition standard in beef flavor, available for sale right now at ButcherBBQ.com. Now, if you're looking for the rub or a sauce that's a go-to, you've hit the mother load here as well, of course. Uh, my favorite is the steak and brisket rub. You Be sure to grab that honey rub. I mean, you remember seeing Dave Bosca on the uh, barbecue pitmaster shows. He was using the honey rub all over the place, garnered a lot of attention on that TV show last year on the Internet as well, winning a number of different awards. Butcher's is formulated to work with your injection. That premium rub is formulated to work with the injection, a perfect one-two punch to impress your judges and your friends alike. And last but not least, oh, my Lord, my favorite sauce out there on the market right now, the sweet barbecue sauce. Look, when it comes to barbecue sauce, I'm as picky as it gets. Butcher's Sweet Sauce wins in every category for me. Not overly sweet, nice slice of tang, just the right amount of back-end heat for crying out loud. No liquid smoke here. Dave took the time and effort to make a quality sauce 
and didn't take any easy way outs while he was doing it. Grab a box of six. They're going to go really fast. Your kids will love it. Your daughter, you know me, only got ki- I only got girls in the house. Three daughters, a wife. They love this stuff. Buy six. They'll thank me later. Head on over to ButcherBBQ.com and stock up. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Don't forget, if you have some other manufacturer's commercially made injection that you don't like anymore, don't waste the money. Go to Dave's site, click the trade-in link, send him what you have. He'll send you back Butcher's Barbecue products in return. Not only making his customers happy, making his competition customers happy as well. The website, once again, ButcherBBQ.com. We're uh, back with a quick giveaway, and then Adam Perry Lang right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue, it's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, we're back, 877-448-0433. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com, and uh, we pick our conversation back up with Adam Perry Lang. Adam, appreciate you uh, hanging with me through the break there. Um, I'm trying to think Great of, like, you know, where we want to jump around, and I apologize for kind of just jumping all around here, but um, I want to try and hit as many no, no, different... I can talk about it for hours, trust me. I oh, love it. I hear about it. So um, let's, if we could, let's kind of do a little steak thing uh, for a number of questions here. Yeah. Let's talk about meat selection. Uh, a lot of people might not have access to a quality butcher, or somehow they have kind of gone back into buying from the big box stores in bulk, or maybe just from the grocery store. I mean, how? And then, of course, there's this new wave of artisanal beef producers that are now becoming widely available through the internet. What's the best advice you can give as far as picking out, you know, any cut of meat? What are you looking for? What should you be on the lookout for? Well, I, you know, it's a great question. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of, you know, spend as much as you humanly can with well-sourced beef where, you know, preferably, um, you know, and I try not to be a snob about it, but, you know, hormone-free, antibiotic-free. Um, I, you know, there's certain types of beef which I like leaner, but, you know, other times I really like what I call decadent beef, which is, prime and even on the upper end prime dry aged steaks, but sometimes dry aged steaks aren't, you know, the best thing to have. You know, sometimes you don't need that minerally flavored. Sometimes it can be a little bit less juicy. So it really depends on what you're looking for um, in a piece of beef or in, in a steak. You know, for me though, it's, uh, I always just try to spend as much as I possibly can, but you know, sometimes you can't. So it starts at the top and then you just work your way down. <laughs> Is there a ideal thickness for cut of steak? I mean, obviously you go into a store, a lot of stuff is already pre-cut. Uh, when I go to my butcher in Cleveland, you know, this is a, he sees me come in, he knows he's gonna, just going to get the side of beef out, and I'm going to tell him an inch and three quarters. But, I mean, in your expert opinion, is there a thickness that you should at least achieve at a minimum? Yeah, you know what? Like, for me, it's always been the thicker the better, and I like to cut the thickness of my steaks, and I'll even go more. I mean, I like two and a half inches, and why? Because it gives you the ample amount of time to get that browning and crust development, and also, I'm I'm what you call an active griller. I don't just, like, leave it and then don't move it. I think that's really passe now, because we have got grills and that, uh, that hold more heat, whether it's cast iron grill, grill grates, and 
or, or using really good charcoal. And, you know, you, you have, it, it can burn pretty hot and you don't want to dry it. You want to have that like slightly chewy, unctuous crust as opposed to just that dry out leather. It can be juicy in time. I think sometimes prime is, is used as a crutch when it, it sh- it's not fully realized how good it truly, truly can be. You know, you know, for me, I, I mean, I love, if I'm going to go out of the store, I mean, I really do typically look for like certified Angus beef. I love it. I mean, for me, um, it's just like a go-to mark, um, CAB. But, um, again, you know, I start at the top and then I work my way down. I, I, I just love my beef. I, you know, I can be a bit of a snob about it, but at the same time, you know, I can eat beef every day and I do. <laughs> Absolutely. Why not eat beef every day? Uh, what about dry aging? Is that something that, you know, if you can get it, you should? Is that just one of those decadent things that you've been talking about? Or is it really not that big of a difference? Well, the, tri- yeah, the, the tricky thing with dry aged beef is that, you know, there's no set formula for doing it. And too many people misunderstand how to handle the meat. Um, typically, dry aged beef, the more marble that it is, the better holding power and less actual product loss that you get. Um, you know, for example, at my restaurant in Vegas, um, at Carney Vino, we have something called Reserva and we dry age 50 weeks with it. Um, but we have to pick, if we pick out cuts that are less marbled, it shrinks to next to nothing and it gets too almost like hammy and it's not as good. But dry aging, it has to be from a reputable person who knows what they're doing. It has three things. is air velocity, temperature, and humidity. And if you hit that right, you can get some really great flavors off it, almost like truffly, mushroomy. Um, you know, sometimes it can be off for some people, but um, uh, and, and sometimes it is. But for me, it's, it's another, you know, uh, fantastic steak eating experience it's it's the kind of thing where um in the wrong hands it can almost get livery and gamey and and off particularly if you start cooking it past medium um even like medium rare i'll never go past medium rare on a dry aged steak Uh, forget it like i'm more of a rare person but medium rare carrying over rare medium rare that's perfect um for me with the dry and it makes a huge difference but for example like tenderloin um, dry aged tenderloin for me, I mean, hands down, I've done so many tests with it, you know, every single time I've always gotten the person who will love a wet age um, tenderloin. But when it comes to something like a rump steak, hands down, dry age always wins. Um, ribeye, same type of thing. However, certain parts of the country, they don't like it. They just want a juicy steak and it's not really a juicy steak experience. Okay. You'll get the juice from the fat but you won't really get it juicy like you would from a wet age. So it depends, but it's not going to be as concentrated in flavor. All right, so are you a guy that likes to let beef sit out in advance of hitting the grill, or do you just like to take it out, season it, and then put it right on? I I like to just to take it out of the fridge and put it right on because I don't really have the patience to kind of sit there and just let it sweat and swelter out there. Also, like when I'm training cooks how to um, actually cook steaks, you know, if it comes out of the fridge, it's always the same temperature, so it's a good starting point. Sometimes you might take out the steak, and it might be just like room temperature. It could be like 80, 90 degrees. 
and you're already so ahead of the game and that you start to develop the crust and the the steak reaches its point way too soon without browning the crust. So I actually like to start off with a cold steak and I think it's a bunch of nonsense when people talk about it shocking the meat. It's really inanimate. It doesn't really do that or they, they think about it's losing its juices if you, you really um, you know, abrase it too much, but it's not like a water balloon. It's not gonna just spill out. It's just it's already cut anyway. So why wouldn't it it, it kind of totally lose all its juices. It's about really crust development. And just a, a word on juiciness. I got I to gotta say this is like a lot of the juiciness comes from yourself, from actually you salivating when you create a great crust because it has that umami. It's that, that, that flavor, that, that sixth flavor that people talk about. It's a Japanese word where when you bite into that steak with that deep crust, you actually create a lot of the juiciness in your mouth, aside from the fat and everything that comes with it. Yeah, good uh, good point of reference there. Uh, we're talking with Adam Perry Lang here on the show, adamperrylang.com. You know, I see you, and you know one of the, the one of my true grilling godfathers, the guy who really got me motivated, aside from my own dad, was uh, Stephen Reichlin. He's real big into this too, and I see you are oiling grates. So I guess my question is this: Does oiling grates really help? And you know, isn't oiling or isn't the oil from the food enough? You know, when you oil a grate, it smokes right away. And to me, and I'm no chef, um, doesn't that mean it might be like cracking or that everything it's hoping to do is just kind of literally going up in smoke? When it comes to steak, I never oil my grill. And oftentimes I don't even oil the steak. I put it in and I don't mind if it tears a little bit. Because specifically like when you have a thicker steak too, I like all the fissures and all the tearing a little bit, particularly in the beginning, because it creates more surface area for browning. Again, it's the key to great steak is that browning. And, you know, I'm really, like, if I have grill marks, it's because they just happen. But I'm really not into grill marks. I want, like, grill marks up and down. Like, I wouldn't call them grill marks, but I want the whole steak to be brown. I mean, because that's all the flavor. I mean, the flashiness of, like, a grill mark, to me, that's only, like, lines of flavor. Okay, and it's just a gesture. For me, I want it like torn a little bit, and the whole thing to be brown, like almost like three D, like so. It's it's like nooks, crevices, like the surface of the moon, you know, because that's where that's where the flavor comes. If you were just to take really just a cube of meat, like like plain, it's almost sterile in a way. I mean, you could pick up little nuances of slight flavor but you don't get the flavor that you would. That's why, you know, 10 out of 10 times someone has a steak, they would rather it not be boiled and they'd rather it like charred and grilled, right? And and I want to maximize that. That's what brings out the beauty of a steak and, and beef in general. There's a, a common... Otherwise, it's just textural, you know. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's a common thought that searing seals in the juices of the steak, are you a subscriber to that at all, or is that just uh, BS? Well, it's been it's been it's been proven that it's not the case. I mean, we've done tests after tests that's not the case. Um, and the concept of searing—I mean, the only time you can ever sear something is with actually live flesh and where quarterization takes place. But when something's dead, you know, when something's um, just sitting there, it's not going to sear. You're not going to sear in any juices, but. Like I said, it, it turns back to there's a juiciness effect when you get that crust. It gives you a greater perceived juiciness because you're actually producing saliva more. 
but we've done so many tests with it. Um, so many gr- other great chefs have done it where they've waited before and after and done all these things, and it really is it's not true at all. There's no such thing as hearing. So I saw a video that you did, and I don't know how recent it was, but uh, it was one that I saw maybe two or three weeks ago. And the term that stuck with me while I was watching this was momentum. And for the people right. that don't know or that haven't seen it, I think it's very important that you maybe explain a little bit about you know how you need to factor this into the cook because it really kind of changed the way I looked at grilling steaks you know, from what I did three weeks ago and for years before that to what I'm doing now. You know, like there's this concept of momentum, like it's like the same thing of like a cast iron pan, like it takes a long time to heat up, but once it gets going, you know, it holds there and it kind of keeps going like a freight train, okay? So you want to build up some heat momentum so it's traveling towards the center of the steak or the roast. If you're going too slow, it just it just goes, you, you just kind of, you waste it on the outside. You end up being a little bit too raw inside. So you use whatever you can. Like if, for example, you, let's say you have a grill, you're grilling like five or six steaks at once, and, you know, you just literally have an inferno, and there's nowhere to go. You know, people talk about how artful it could be. We have a two-zone fire. Well, quite frankly, sometimes it doesn't work out to your benefit. Sometimes all you have is a one-zone fire. You've got nowhere to hide. So what I end up doing is, is like, like I'll start grilling the steaks and start, and then I start stacking them, and I keep rotating the bottom one on the top. And I keep like flipping and moving the steaks. So as a result, like sometimes some of the steaks will get the brunt of it on the bottom. But as soon as I feel like it's getting too much, I throw it on top of the others. So you can just do this like whole rotation, this whole dance of like cooking the meat on the on the fire over the grill. And it could be literally in, in, engulfed in fire. And you can come out with steaks that are not charred or burned if you do this technique. And I've... I'm totally relaxed cooking around fire like that because, you know, you just kind of work with it as opposed to, like, fear it. How long does that take for the normal griller to get over? Because i got to imagine, you know, for people or, or fans of this show, we might be a little bit more into this subculture than the normal person. And they see a live fire, they see, well, they see charcoal fire, and then they see an actual flame come up. They're kind of pooping in their pants. Um, how long do you think it really takes for them to, to kind of get over that fact? Is it five times? Is it 10 times? Can you not put a number on it? Well, I think, you know, there's a difference of like being face to face with the fire. And there's a difference with the fire when you walk away to get a beer inside the fridge and you come back (laughs) because those are two different things. I mean, you can work with a fire that you're tending, but if you, you can't work with the fire that you ignore because it will eat you. So I think there's a big difference. And I think the comfort, first of all, you have to, you have to make a commitment. You have to be ready and you have to be prepared to sit by the grill and like work with whatever you're doing because it will know, it does know when, when, you're, when you're not paying attention. And that's where most stuff is ruined because direct fire with no response and no movement will engulf something. But if you move it around, it won't have time. So that's why I'm, I'm what's called an active griller. Um, I coined the term saying, like, I constantly flip. I develop the thrust. As I'm flipping, I'm cooling down with a basting brush with, let's say, a cooler fat. And I'm actually, I encourage a lot of the flame a lot of times. So a lot of people say, oh, flip. You know, to me, like, also a funny thing is literally taking a squirt bottle to put out, a, you know, a grease fire. You know, like, you can't take water to put out a grease fire. So what do you, you know, like, a lot of flare-ups that happens from the grease, so it never made sense to me. So instead of just trying to get a scorepile, I just embraced it, and I just worked with it. 
Adam Perry Lang joining me here on the show. You know, the other thing that I saw in a couple of videos is the fact that you're really big, aside from the basting, you know, with the, I think it's a, a time brush that you kind of stir up against a wooden spoon, is you're really big on reseasoning during the whole cooking process. Oh, absolutely. Particularly, you can't really do it so much in a pan, but you have to do it on the grill because the grill in itself is always pulling off the surface seasoning. It's not always, but a good clip of it does pull off. It does does come off because there's a lot of abrasion, there's a lot of movement. So you have to constantly reapply seasoning. Also, if you're just using things past salt, um, a lot of these flavors change as they become progressively cooked. So you want like a base flavor and then you want brighter flavors and then you want the finish, which is the ultimate, which is the brightest and almost raw sometimes. That's what you, let's say, like with a rub, for example. Sometimes, you know, as you know, you pull out a brisket or whatever you're cooking and it's black, but it's seasoned beautifully. I like to add seasoning or rub throughout the process two to three times. And for me, that's building flavor and just kind of like reinforcing what's there already with accent. So once you get the steak done to the the temperature you're getting ready to pull it off at or to whatever your liking is or maybe a minute or two before that, all of a sudden, I see Adam Perry Lang head off to this cutting board. He's got olive oil going down. He's microplaning garlic and some other seasonings. And you do this uh, board dressing. And it kind of incorporates yeah. the steak juice with what you put down there. I mean, where did this kind of develop? Just something you just tried out or it just happened one day and you're like, wait a second, that was something I really want to build on? Well, you know, and some, sometimes these things happen by accident, but I'll tell you, forget all the fanciness of, like, grading stuff in and doing all that stuff. Like, you just to do one thing is that is to halt the cooking on that crust with some type of oil base. I don't care if it's butter, it's, it's vegetable oil, it's um, olive oil, whatever it is. You take that fat and you seize the cooking on the surface of the crust, okay? You're barbecue, grilling, whatever you're going to do is going to improve for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's going to stop the cooking and dry out, and it's also going to lay down any moisture. And the moisture is not just moisture. It's collagen escaping. It's all these different things. It's fat. It's collagen. And what happens is, is that the fat actually traps it and lays it down, okay? And it will hold on to the temperature also. So it slows down the temperature, but also holds the temperature. So the best example I can tell you is like if you ever burnt yourself with like water or oil, you know, you can just brush off the water, but then you really have to brush off the oil yeah. off your hand, you know, because it's holding and it's sticking to you. So it's really helpful if you're cooking like a, a, a dinner group and, you know, the oil is going to hold on to the temperature. Okay. And then the other thing it does is like, I hate the juices that run off on a board and they get just cold and it just changes color and it's just nasty, you know, it's nasty. <laughs> yeah. But if you suspend it in the oil, it actually becomes almost like a broken vinaigrette, you know? It actually suspends all the flavor. And so you can actually use that. And then I, I tend to, like, constantly build on flavor when I put, like, lemon zest into it, a pinch of lemon juice into it, or I can take a little bit of, uh, of vinegar or whatever it is. It just makes it, uh, it suspends it all, and it carries flavor. And that's why a lot of people like prime meat, because the fat equals flavor. But it not only just equals flavor, but it carries the flavor on your tongue. Because if you just, if you drink something, it's gone. But if you eat something with fat, it stays with you, okay? It stays on your palate. So that's why I like using this quote-unquote board dressing for several reasons. Absolutely. Adam Perry Lang joining me here on the show. 
Uh, Adam, I know I ran a little bit long with you here tonight, but just so much great information, uh, and I will uh, be sure to tune you loose here right now. What do you have coming up that we can be on the lookout for? Well, I I got the rights back to my my first book, Serious Barbecue, and it's one of my favorite uh, books that I've I've written. And for me, it's you know I'm republishing, I self-publish myself, and uh, for me that's the most exciting thing. Um, I'm trying to. Uh, um, like for example, I did the backlot barbecue, and uh, I'm going to tour around with it and and share the knowledge I did with that book. Sounds great. Uh, so perhaps look for Adam and the traveling barbecue in a city near you. Maybe uh, you'll be so gracious to stop by the barbecue capital of the North Coast, Cleveland, Ohio. Dare I say? Nice. Never nice. know. Yes. Never know. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Adam, really appreciate the time, and uh, let's do it again soon. No, thanks so much for having me on. Take care, buddy. You got it. There he is, Adam Perry Lang. Wow. Was that uh, pretty much uh, awesome? Hope you uh, learned quite a bit there, especially on the steak part, because uh, I've been doing a lot of uh, watching with uh, Adam in regards to how he's cooking the steaks and all that stuff, and wow. Really opened my eyes to uh, new ways and especially with the flipping all the time and the micro tears and all that stuff. So really good to get it from uh, the proverbial horse's mouth. And appreciate all the time that he gave us here on the show tonight. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Hopefully you got a lot of good information. And now I have to figure out how I'm going to make time. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Folks, Arno Smokers is a custom pit builder combining innovation and art in each of their cutting-edge offset and vault-style barbecue pit. They are located in the heart of Texas, near Fort Worth. Granberry has been one of the Arno Smokers since the beginning. Arno Smokers has combined to widen its range using visionary planning on the design level and the quality of their craftsmanship to bring their customers the finest custom pits on the market. If you have been looking for a custom pit without the hefty price tag and weight of some of the other manufacturers on the market, make this your first choice. Mention you heard about Arno Smokers on the Barbecue Central Show. Receive an additional discount off the already low price. For more information, follow their link to the Facebook page, which can be found on my website, thebbqcentralshow.com. i got to stop this, otherwise I'm in trouble. You can click on the logo at the homepage on the bottom right, or you can visit the sponsor or links page. Either way, we'll get you to the Facebook page for Arno Smokers, or if you would like to email Billy Overton or Tony Belay, you can do that. Uh, Billy's email address B I L L I E underscore R O Smokers at Yahoo.com. Or you can email Tony Belay, Tony T O N Y underscore R O Smokers at Yahoo.com. Don't forget to check out their Facebook page regularly for weekly drawings and giveaways from their barbecue partners as well. Arno Smokers, a barbecue partner of mine, they have barbecue partners. That will give you free stuff just by visiting their Facebook page. Very easy to win over there as well. All right, we got some giveaways to give away. And we will do that right after this. Or coming out of the break, I guess I should say. Uh, stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Joe. stuff away for nobody. That's why it's free of charge. You can win stuff and I'll give it away for free. All right, from Johnny Fleeman, a gift pack giveaway. We did this a couple months ago. 
This guy's stuff is phenomenal. Thanks to Johnny for this. And uh, you can grab your own Johnny Fleeman party pack at Johnny Fleeman, F-L-E-E-M-A-N, JohnnyFleeman.com. That's JohnnyFleeman.com. In this complete gift pack, you will get steak marinade, honey mustard, barbecue sauce, barbecue rub, fajita seasoning, and a charbroil rub. I think there might be a french fry rub in there, too, unless they took it out. That's really good. Again, this is courtesy of Johnny Fleeman from johnnyfleeman.com. Don't try and win. Just go ahead and pick up your own right away, johnnyfleeman.com. Or you can send me an email in the subject line, Adam Perry Lang Micro Tear. Adam Perry Lang Micro Tear for your chance to win the Johnny Fleeman gift pack from johnnyfleeman.com. Good luck. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Winning the Johnny Fleeman gift pack, Alan Frankel. Good job, Alan. Alan, go ahead and send me your shipping in. Well, uh, let me check. Here, hold on. Yeah, I don't have it. Alan, send me your shipping info. Alan Frankel. Uh, put Johnny Fleeman in the subject line. I'll uh, get that in the proper hands, and you will be enjoying the Johnny Fleeman gift pack. Wow. Good stuff, really. Steak marinade is really good. you got to try that out. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and wrap this up so I'm not incredibly too late. All the way back in the first hour, we talked to Jesse Black from ThermoWorks. Talked about the new products that uh, ThermoWorks has coming out. Big, big loud-ass timer, the new backlit ThermoPen, the, uh, the Blue Probe Duo. Or something else that I'm not going to remember right off the top of my head. That's all right. Uh, all the new products are out. They are all on the website, thermalworks.com. Uh, then we talked to uh, Brad Orson. No, we didn't. And then the second hour, we talked with Adam Perry Lang. AdamPerryLang.com. Look for him maybe coming around to your city with the outdoor barbecue. He says the best barbecue meat, hands down, is the uh, barbecue ribs. Beef ribs, by the way. Um, I can get the really big ones over at BJ's. I think you get the three racks or four racks. There's like six bones in a rack or something like that for like 65 bucks. It's really not that bad. They're the uh, beef chuck short ribs. Full size. Dino bucks. Also, we had a lot of great steak. AdamPerryLang.com. Hoping to have them on again soon. Uh, you can find yourself reseasoning cast iron grates each and every time raw cast iron hit a little pan with a crisco as it starts to cool down after you clean it off after you and then let it burn back in each and every time also september 11 2001 i will never forget but until next tuesday we'll be revealing the winner of the hog with a heart barbecue class winner raffle thing for operation barbecue relief this is your program host and proud u.s american greg rampy good night